I can't believe we are at the 10th episode already. It is so crazy to think that a couple of months ago during lockdown in Sydney, as I experienced another failed embryo transfer, I had this idea to do something to bring a voice to all of this and help other women not feel so alone. So to think that there are over a thousand downloads of this podcast globally already makes me realize the huge need to have our feelings and experiences validated and support each other when we are going through something so huge. I have so much gratitude for each of my guests who have played an enormous part in bringing a voice to infertility, IVF and pregnancy loss. My hope is that through these episodes and those in the future, I've been able to help women who are on their journey to having a baby by sharing stories, experiences and tips. And as I sit here and record this, I'm in the dreaded two-week wait period as we had our last embryo transfer to our amazing surrogate yesterday. So as I head towards the end of my fertility journey, not knowing if I will have my rainbow baby, I wanted to use episode 10 to gather some of the incredible tips my guests have shared on how to cope with the oh-so-complicated and emotional roller coaster that is infertility and the grief that is pregnancy loss. So I start with Jennifer Robinson, fertility coach, on how to survive the infertility journey. So the first thing is, and I know this is going to sound very weird and I never thought that I would be the person to say this because I'm such an overachiever, (laughs) but I think we need to start lowering our expectations. And I say that to the women who are like me, who don't have just expectations. They have impossible expectations of themselves. And especially right now when you're not only going through infertility, but you may be in lockdown and the world is consumed by fear, COVID, all of these different things. I think it's okay. And and I love this quote, it is okay to do less when you're coping with more. And even without all of the other stuff, when we're talking about fertility struggles, we feel like we still have to be the best wife. We still have to be the best daughter-in-law. We still have to be the best employee. We still we still have to be all of these different things and we're dealing with fertility struggles on top of it. But I think the biggest thing is to, to realise that we're human and it is okay if you don't do everything perfectly. So that's the number one thing. Lower your expectations into something that is a little more realistic. So the second thing is something that I didn't do well on my journey and it was about processing. So we're dealing with a lot of heavy emotions here. Find something, find a way that feels good for you to be able to process it. So not bottling things up, talking about it as well with someone who has has been through it. And I like I love coming on podcasts like this and talking to people on on live videos because every time I talk about it, I learn something else. Every time I talk about it, I feel lighter as well because it doesn't just go away. This is grief and trauma that we're dealing with. So every opportunity that we have to talk about it in a safe space is a way that we're able to process it and and really break up that that energy and the grief that we're dealing with. So it could be, you know, a therapist, a counsellor, a fertility coach, someone who knows what you're going through and being able to really talk that out. So so the second one is is about processing it. And the third thing, and 
and I love this concept and this is, you know, this is the basis for everything I do is about creating that awareness of your energy levels. So where are you sitting at right now? And working out what are the things that give you energy and what are the things that take away your energy. And when you work that out, you're able to make sure that you are at a level that you can not only function, but think when you're dealing with fertility struggles, it's really heavy. And when we're trying to do all of these different things, what happens is that our reactions to the most simplest tasks become erratic and we feel like we're crazy because we're approaching just rational situations but we're approaching it from you know an irrational point of view and the the reason why we do that is because you know we're running on empty our tanks load so working out the things that add to your energy for me it's you know walks on the beach it's nature it's fresh air it's sunshine those are the things that give me energy And working out the things that really drain your energy. And it might be, you know, as an introvert, I, you know, when I hang out with other people, I love it, but it takes my energy away. Watching the news really zaps my energy. Hanging out with people who who don't have the best energy, that strips me as well. You know, social media can drain your energy. Working out all of these things that, that take away your energy and being aware of it as well throughout your day, working out, okay, I need to top up my energy, so I'm going to stand in the sun for a little while. Or I know that I'm going to have to go to this baby shower. So what do I need to do that day to top myself up to be able to deal with those situations? And it is really about creating that awareness. So that's that's the third thing, you know, making sure that you are doing the things that maintain your energy throughout this because another one of my... My favorite quotes is you can't be brave if you're tired and and we need to we need so much bravery and courage just to get through this journey sometimes. Here's Nicole Russell, someone who has gone through about 13 rounds of IVF and ended up having her daughter through surrogacy and is now a surrogacy lawyer herself on her tips of how to survive this journey. Definitely ask for help and seek out people who have been through it because I think that is just such a game changer. So seek out a bit of a community. I don't think there wasn't, apart from my fertility yoga, which was an absolute lifesaver, there wasn't the social media presence of these communities at that point when I was going through it. And I think that it would have been helpful if there was. And certainly there were well, I wasn't aware of any podcasts like yours, Anita, and I think that this and hopefully even just our chat, if, if we can help one other person feel like feel validated in what they're going through and feel like there is hope, then I'm just so thrilled if we can help just one other person. So ask for help and seek out the community. Be open-minded. A lot of people come to me in my capacity as a surrogacy lawyer and they're still not quite there in their mind in terms of wanting to go down the surrogacy route or wanting to go down the donor egg donor route. And I encourage people just to be open-minded and that your baby might not come to you in the traditional way. And certainly a fertility nurse said to me very early on in my journey that there's always a way. And I didn't quite know what she was getting at, but she knew what she was getting at. And maybe she even knew what was coming for me, but 
there is always a way and if you can just be open-minded about about your path being potentially different then I think that's also very helpful and the third tip I have is just to hold on to trust and even now when there are things that I'm unsure of in life go back to that feeling that I experienced when my best friend was pregnant with my daughter and I just hold on to trust just trust that you will ultimately have your baby in your arms and and you will and something that I don't often share but I think is really important to share is that I am so blessed that my daughter came to me the way that she did and I'm actually so pleased that I didn't become pregnant because I wouldn't have her. I would have another baby but I wouldn't have her and I wouldn't have the story that we have. I wouldn't have the strength of the the bond that I have with my best friend. You know, all of those things are life-changing and so I share that because I hope that it that it can potentially help someone else. Here's Emma Menzies. Emma has been on the fertility journey for 10 years now and that still continues for her. She is based in the UK and even though she's on her own journey, she has now moved from her role as an employment lawyer to a career coach where she helps women manage that tension between fertility and working as well. So here's Emma on her tips. The first one is all around mindset and managing what's going on in your head, really, and the stories you're telling yourself. So when, you know, you don't like a situation or circumstance, it's being able to come back to, to what you're making it mean. And I think this is this is a, a simple concept, but it's not easy to do. And it is what we try to do in coaching. But if you can start to bring some awareness to to what's going on in your mind and the story, the little what the little voices are saying and what you are telling yourself, and you're able to challenge and change that, that can lead to you feeling differently and taking different actions. So if I could give you an example of that, if going back to what we we're talking about earlier, say about staying stuck in careers and roles, if you find that you're feeling like your career stagnated, you know, look at what stories you're telling yourself there and things like I can't go for this role in case I need to do another IVF I can't change this now because I need to wait until I've got pregnant and got my maternity pay and sorted out later is listening to those stories and thinking hmm is that really true could that mean something else and then you can see how you can start to develop a feeling differently about things and take different action that might work towards a situation and scenario that you feel happier with. So I think what's going on in our head is a source of a lot of suffering and being able to bring some conscious awareness to that and think, OK, so what what else might this mean? I'm making it mean this, but what else might it mean is a, a really great thing to do. But as I say, it's not always easy. Um, I think a second thing is really around self-care, which I think we mentioned briefly earlier, and is really looking after yourself. Like in a career, on a fertility journey, on both together, you can't be your best. You can't make big, important decisions. You can't do all of those things if you are exhausted, 
if you're burning out, you need to be able to meet your needs. And that might require some work on the stories that use in your head, because I know that I was very much, I don't have time for this. I needed to do X, Y and Z first. And I had to change that into I don't have time not to do this. And, you know, we're talking earlier about how we've sort of coped on the journey. For me, that mindset was the big part of it. What are the stories and being able to address them to be then able to look after myself. So in any moment on a day to day basis, do I need to drink more water? Do I need to go outside and get some fresh air? Do I need to just take a break? It's being able to listen to that and then follow through on it to the bigger stuff. Do I need to do I need to leave this job now? Do I need to um, go for this promotion? What is it that I need? So get used to releasing the judgment, releasing the comparison with other people, the shoulds and sort of ask yourself, get to know yourself and think, what is it that, that would make me feel good right now and be able to do that? And I think the last tip really is around asking for help. And again, they're all connected because you might have to deal with a few stories and meanings and things going on in your head to be able to ask for help because we tend to think we should be able to do this on our own or I don't want, if I do that, I'm going to bother them or I'm just being a troublemaker or I'm just going to bring people down. Deal with those sorts of stories. Know what it is that you need so you can go away and you know who it is you need to ask for help and, and ask for help because it's something that I really wish that I'd done more of whether it's within your organization whether it's within your family your your friendships whether it's seeking out to professionals like coaches counselors whatever whoever it might be but don't struggle alone i would say here's nitin nataraja who was actually my first uh, podcast guest and here are some of her tips on coping with the grief of pregnancy loss I think taking advantage of the support that is out there is incredibly important. So the Pink Elephant Support Network, which is the organization I briefly was discussing before, they do have a lot of resources and support available for people, for women particularly, who are going through these pregnancy losses so that they're supported through them. So I think that's one. I think the second thing is self-care. I think for me, one of the things that was challenging was that I had another child that needed looking after, right? And so you don't have the opportunity to just sit there and say, well, I'm just going to spend the day in bed because that's what I want to do because I had to get on with things and you know, make sure that she was fed and clothed and um, bathed and put to bed and all the rest of it. So you don't have that luxury, but I think what what is important is perhaps sitting down with your partner if you have a partner and and asking them to help make space for you yeah. to exercise a bit of self care, whatever that looks like, whether it looks like going out for a walk, whether it looks like going out and getting a coffee, whether it looks like sitting in front of the TV and watching Netflix for a few hours, whether it is sitting in a bath or something like that, I think that can be incredibly helpful because I think sometimes we forget that after something so traumatic, we need to also look after ourselves and all of us, right? Like our mind, body and spirit, like it's not just one component because obviously for women suffering from miscarriage, there's a huge physical component 
which is incredibly traumatic because you still feel, look pregnant, at least in your own head. And so there's that constant reminder that's with you all the time. So I think I think taking that time away to just do something for yourself, I think, is important. As a third tip, I didn't do this, but I know that other people uh, do this and that this can be quite healing, is to do something that commemorates the baby that you've lost in some way. So whether that's some sort of memorial or uh, planting something or whatever it might be, some way of, I guess, having a permanent recognition of the fact that this baby, and I'm, I'm going to call it a baby, even though the doctors, you know, will refer to it as, as something else. So just a recognition of the baby that you've lost, right? I think that can also be very helpful for some couples. And just extending on from that, here is Samantha Payne, co-founder and CEO of Pink Elephant Support Network. They do amazing things for women who are experiencing, in particular, early pregnancy loss. Samantha talks about ways that women can commemorate their baby who they have lost. It should be whenever you feel ready as well, absolutely. This is this month, this week, particularly the 15th, provides an opportunity to maybe think about that and to some action from that. But it should be acknowledged that it can be at any point in your journey when you're ready. And there's no point when it's too late. We know that we've supported women who had their losses 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they then come back to us and they because there was no support then they now access support and they're like oh I'm going to plant a tree now and I'm like, and they, they sometimes are like questioning is that okay it's totally okay there's so many beautiful ways that we've seen to commemorate a loss you have things like women get tattoos in memorial um you have women and their partners who have a service because one of the things that happens with miscarriage particularly early loss prior to 12 weeks most women are not given the option for a burial any kind of formal certificate most states now you can apply for a certificate of recognition of the death which for some women is incredibly cathartic and needed i know that things like lighting a candle are a really beautiful way to kind of see some light in the darkness there's different things that you can do at different points but also know like we said earlier it's never too late to mark the loss of your baby and there's many different ways around the world that it's done one that we particularly love at pink elephants is the jizo statues and they're often gifted to women in Japan and placed in these beautiful gardens, sit side by side with each other in recognition of the baby that they've lost. And I just think that's really beautiful. We have a virtual one of those on our website as well, that women are welcome and family members are welcome to purchase on behalf of women who've gone through this as well as a way of kind of marking the loss of their baby. Uh, but there's so many ways. But yeah, again, it's something that we need to see more of because when we validate the experience as bereavement, then all of a sudden it becomes more normalised to mark that loss. Whether that's privately or publicly, it's completely up to the person who goes through it. Now, here's Melinda Bryant, who has some incredible tips around secondary infertility, which has its own challenges. Have a listen to Melinda. When people used to ask me about having more children, I got to the point where I was sick of um, absorbing the awkwardness and inappropriateness of their conversation. My husband's a psychotherapist and he talks about being okay with letting the other person deal with the consequence of their action. So if I ran into someone I hadn't seen for a few years in the supermarket and they decided it was appropriate to ask me about more kids, I would say to them, well, we would have really loved more children, but that hasn't happened 
for us. And I would just take their awkward question and dump it back in their lap and be like, that is your problem, not mine. And I don't have to feel ashamed like I've done something wrong. I don't have to explain myself to you. You can take that feeling of, wow, maybe that was inappropriate and it can fester for you and you can not ask the next person. <laughs> Look for the opportunities to mother beyond my own child. I started to recognise how many mums in my world were overwhelmed that needed someone to hold their baby for an hour while they ate a hot meal or how many of my friends had four or five or more children who had one child who would love to come and be our fourth person when we buy a family pass for the zoo and she would love to have a sleepover with my son and be one adult to one child. One of my girlfriends at the moment is going through some really significant health challenges with a number of people in her family. She has a five-year-old who adores my son. People often think they're brothers. And I said to her, like, every couple of weeks on a Sunday afternoon, just drop him around. Here's Emma Barlow. Emma decided to go it alone and be a solo mum. So here are just some tips for anyone who's thinking about doing the same thing. I would say do it. Don't wait. I'm so excited for what's about to come for me. And I I would be incredibly lonely if I didn't go down this path. So don't wait and leave it too late. You are stronger than you think you are. I've really learned that in myself. I know that I can do this. I've got a fantastic support network. I also think that I'm so grateful that I've been able to do this and there's people that are out there that their experiences are far worse than mine. So just do it. Don't wait. Don't regret it because, you know, there were times when I was thinking to myself, doing this journey on my own and silly little things like when the baby first kicks, I'm not going to have someone to say, feel this, just those little moments. And now... I think whenever, but the first time I felt her kick, it was just a special little bond between me and her. And I don't have anyone to share that with at home at the time that it happens. But then I've got my family and, you know, my my sister-in-law and my mum and my nieces who who do all of that and, and dote over the baby already. So, yeah, don't wait and leave it. If this is really what you want to do, you are stronger than you think. And finally... Lauren Finger gives some tips on what law firms and organisations can do to better support their employees who are going through fertility treatment or have suffered pregnancy loss. I think that a supportive and inclusive workplace starts with open communication and creating that culture of openness and employees feeling comfortable that they can bring their whole selves to work. And I think potentially educating employers and managers about what infertility is, what kind of treatments employees may be undertaking, so that when an employee does approach them or discloses to them about their struggle, they understand it. And I think a great way to, if an employee does tell an employer that they are going through it, I think one of the um 
best things and the most supportive things aside from, of course, compassion and understanding is being very flexible with that employee. And just if, if that employee needs to be late a few days to go to those doctor's appointments or has to take a few days of leave, like no questions asked, that's totally fine. Just giving them that space. I think that that would be amazing and really important. And then because that kind of alleviates a bit of the stress for the person that's currently going through fertility treatment. It was something special listening back to my chats with these incredible women and such a great reminder of what we can do when we are in the darkness to help us find some light. For those of you on your journey, I wish you nothing but joy, whatever that looks like for you. And feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn, my Heartache to Hope Instagram, or via email, heartache to hope 11, all one word, at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.